Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the ACB Membership Focus Call. Tonight's topic is going to be how affiliates can set goals that they can accomplish. And some have structured goal setting and some just have lists or have ways that they um, do their activities and events and assign people to do them. So we're going to listen to four leaders to tell us how they do it and how they get things done. And I'm going to leave it to Cassandra, Jesse, to introduce the speakers. Good evening, everyone. My name is Cassandra Jesse, and welcome. So our speakers um, today will be Let me grab my list here. Doug Pyle, Amanda Sam for Next Generation, David Kingsbury, and I'm going to let them tell you guys what you what what they do and and what uh, affiliate they're with. Tramps Brown, I hope I pronounced her name correct. Okay. So let's just start with, because um, I know that um, Doug Powell needs to uh, go ahead and go. So Doug, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and um, your uh, your passion? Great, thanks. Um, my passion, ooh. <laughs> um, so my name is Doug Powell. I'm uh, president of a, a, a special interest affiliate called the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss. AAVL, and I'm also a president of a geographic affiliate, the ACB of Virginia. So I can look at it from sort of two different points of view, but they, they really aren't, um, they aren't that different. And uh, my passion is, is uh, having people enjoy being members of, of the organizations that, that I'm associated with and feel like they're accomplishing something in the world. Thank you. Amanda. Thanks, Cassandra. Hi, my name is Amanda Selm. I'm the president of ACB Next Generation. Uh, we are going strong into our third year uh, as of February 22nd. Um, I and um, I am just so passionate um, about not only leading the affiliate, but um, leading the affiliate, you know, uh, just just taking it one step at a time and watching um, leaders just emerge and watching people use their talents and seeing them um, just get excited when they are part of a winning team. And I just love helping people, encouraging people, and honestly, just being there for people because, you know, that's how we learn and, you know, having compassion uh, for each other as well. Thanks, Cassandra. Thank you. All right, David. Yes, uh, my name is David Kingsbury. I am the president of the Bay State Council of the Blind. That is the Massachusetts affiliate of, uh, of ACB. Um, I've been president for about a year and a half, but of course, active uh, much longer than that. And one thing that I've um, 
always found attractive about uh, BSCB is that if um, you have an idea of something you would like to do, and you know you can convince one or two people to do it, uh, there's room for you to work on that and develop your own skills and hopefully make a contribution to the blindness community. Awesome, thank you, all right. Mr. Brown. Good evening. Uh, yes, my name is Trampus Brown. I'm used to going last because nobody can pronounce my first name. So thank you for letting me go last. Um, but it is Trampus. It's not as hard as it looks. Um, but it is a new name for most people. So you'll, you'll remember it moving forward. Uh, I am the president of the North Dakota Association of the Blind. I've been president, oh, where are we at? About two and a half years now, I guess. And some of the passion areas for me, specifically uh, within NDAB, uh, will be advocacy uh, within our state and, and the nation as well, uh, as well as the youth, um, specifically middle school and teenage uh, individuals uh, with vision loss. And you'll hear a little bit more about that um, as I talk a little bit about the goals uh, when it's my turn to, to talk about that. So I'll turn it back over to you, Cassandra. All right. Thank you. So now, actually, I'm going to turn it over to you guys. And I just want to introduce you. And as Trampus said, um, we are talking about goals. And so I'd like to hear from each one of you um, some of your goals and um, how you guys go about um, completing them. And so I'm going to turn it over to you guys and I'm going to sit back and let you talk. And then we'll get take questions as they come. So I'll start. This is Doug. Um, we had a project uh, that one of our members brought to us um, that uh, he came to us and he said, look, um, I, there are area agencies on aging in every uh, county or you know locality. And um, I don't know very much about them. So I don't think they know very much about us. And it's... Uh, you know, I think it's important for them to know that we're out here and get services. Uh, you know, we're just as uh, eligible for services as, any, as anybody else is. And I don't think that they're particularly geared toward uh, people who are losing vision or who have lost vision. So we need to make them aware that we're out here and see how we can help. So we, um, we did, we did, developed a questionnaire about the area agencies on aging, since we you know, obviously we didn't know very much about them. And we had our members, we, we did a, a advertise with our members, you know, promoted to our members that they should go and uh, approach their uh, AAA area agency on aging and, and do the, the uh, questionnaire with them and also see if there was room on the uh, advisory council for them to participate. Um, so it, it provides, you know, several things. One, it gives uh, members a chance to, um, to you know, work on something that they're passionate about. Um, and pe people who are working on a goal, you know, they, they're more uh, interested in retaining their membership. And also we're uh, trying to make things better for blind people around the, around the world, but around the country in particular. 
So we we developed this questionnaire and we got the questionnaire we got the results back from the questionnaire, which were not surprisingly different than what we were expecting, which is that they don't know very much about us and they don't know how to reach us and they they don't have any particular services to uh, help you know help do that uh, help get get us involved in, with their services. So now we have several people on advisory councils um, uh, with their AAAs, uh, so that we have an ongoing. Uh, uh, ongoing um, voice in how funds are allocated and how services are provided in the community. So I guess to, to point out the, you know, what, where the goal setting comes in. So we, we came down, came out with a specific goal um, to get, you know, to administer the questionnaire and to uh, get people on the um, advisory councils. And so we developed, we developed that plan so that we could get them to do that. And um, we had several promotional phone calls or you know, Zoom events and um, are still, you know, still uh, occasionally monitoring uh, progress on, uh, on how they're doing as, uh, as advocates. So you know, we're developing advocacy skills and um, and uh, providing service to our members, and and you know, so good things are happening all over the place. <laughs> so, so I, is that is that a good starter? I think that's a great start. Who'd like to go next? I'll go. This is Amanda. Okay. All right. So, um, first thing uh, I'd like to do is um, we were talking about goal setting. Is I. I like to meet with the committee chairs uh, as I appoint them. Um, so the good thing about Next Gen is that um, our committees uh, have terms. Uh, they start on the 1st of January and they end on December 31st. So uh, what I do is I meet with um, each of my committee chairs individually before that period begins. Um, there is one committee that does have an exception. That's our convention committee. And I'll get to the same rules apply, just different time of the year. And then one of the first conversations I have with them is, okay, tell me what you want to do. And, um, you know, we, we, we kind of talk and, you know, sometimes I give them feedback if they feel like they need it. And sometimes I don't have to, because, um, I have a, a very diverse group of committee chairs. I have some that work in, um, you know, corporate America that are project managers for, um, very well-known companies. And I have some that, uh, you know, have not entered that setting, but they've also worked for, uh, they're also in other affiliates. So they understand that they need to uh, have, you know, uh, a good, good consent uh, set of goals. And then I have other people uh, on the other end of the spectrum that are coming in new, um, have um, a new, uh, new set of uh, co-chairs for um, our PR committee this year, and they're first of all they're they're doing a great job. Um, and you know, so one of the things that I do is we talk about their goals and what they want to do, um, not just who they want on their committee. Um, we talk about what they want to achieve. Um, I we do talk about the goals being uh, measurable and achieve achievable and realistic, um, and we talk about how to break those down. Um, 
One of the other things that uh, I do is, you know, I offer them support to contact me individually if they feel like they need assistance. Um, So I I maintain that one-on-one relationship with each of my chairs or co-chairs. I do treat uh, co-chairs the same as I do an individual chair, just an FYI. Um, The other thing that I do that helps us stay on track um, and helps all of us to communicate is we have quarterly committee chair meetings that are held in January, April, June. Um, It would be July, but because of the convention, it's held in June. Um, And then we have, um, let's see, January. And then we have one in um, October, time around October. And that helps us to stay on target. Um, That gives our committee chairs a chance to openly discuss the projects they have coming up. Um, That gives um, committee chairs a chance to say, hey, we need assistance with this. That also gives us an opportunity um, to discuss issues um, that are majorly important. So, for example, in January, um, we talked about leading with intention, Um, you know, Uh, because what's going to be happening in the next two years is that I will no longer be able to uh, obtain a position as president. Um, And the other four officers and some of our directors will no longer be able to be in the position that they're in. So uh, because we're going to age out or term out. Um, So right now we are in the process of succession planning. And so that's where we started our year off with leading with intention. Like, what are we doing right now to help prepare people um, for the future and succession planning? So what we'll do is each quarter, we'll take one of those topics, break it down, have some discussion, brainstorm, and have open communication with that. And that's something that I encourage on not just our committee chair meetings, but on our board meetings. Um, We solve problems as a team. um, And I feel like, uh, because it's, you know, we're all leaders. We're all in it together. Um, and then um, I also encourage my committees to have um, that same mindset. And then um, the last thing I think that what I would feel important about goal setting is is that um, something that I had a very uh, hard conversation about with my, the committee chairs is that you need to spread the responsibility out in order to get your goals um, achieved because we want everyone to feel like they're a part of the team contributing. Um, So that means, you know, rotating your members around to um, show different responsibilities. And, you know, um, oh, one more thing. And I do also have some committees that have adopted the L10 format. I wasn't sure if I mentioned that. Um, And that is something that a, a lot of our committees are finding successful because they're seeing what their rocks could be. They're seeing what their milestones could be. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a great tool. Um, it does work for some things more than it does others. Um, but I think the, the bottom line is, is that fostering that, um, open discussion as a leader is so important because, um, I think sometimes, some of our leaders and committee chairs, board members, they kind of feel like they get lost. And I think showing them some compassion that you care um, as the president of an affiliate or a chapter or an officer or director 
of an affiliate or a chapter, I think sometimes showing that compassion will make them be more vulnerable and open up to you about their ideas. So thanks, Cassandra. Thanks. All right. All right, David. Uh, yeah, so um, what I'm going to describe to you is something that is admittedly a work in progress. Uh, but when I started as president um, of BSCB a year and a half ago, uh, you know, one thing I noticed, we, you know, we had monthly board meetings and those went uh, quite well. Everybody would say what they uh, needed to say. We did, you know, uh, accomplished quite a few activities. But um, what I noticed is that, you know, if, if, if there weren't moments when you sort of step back and sort of looked at the bigger picture, you might easily get sort of stuck in a rut or maybe simply be more reactive and not necessarily think about, you know, what, what, what are the things we should be doing? Um, and then, you know, develop some concrete ways to uh, go about doing that. So um, I asked our board um, to have a retreat, which we had in uh, for one day in October. We called it a strategy retreat. And I'll say something more about the word strategy a little bit later. Um, and so we had a one-day Zoom call. And we defined objectives for uh, the organization, wordsmithed those objectives, uh, spent some time doing that. Um, and we came up with five areas, and I won't, I won't uh, bore you with the exact wording, but uh, area one was advocacy, or objective one, advocacy. The second objective had to do with communi communicating effectively to our membership. The third was communication and outreach uh, to the outside world, uh, non-members, a sighted community, et cetera. The fourth was uh, social inclusion, that is social activities for the organization. And then the fifth was uh, financial and organizational sustainability. So things like fundraising, uh, membership, and the like. And then we, in each of those areas, people were encouraged simply to brainstorm. That is, you know, brainstorm some possible activities over the next year or so for the organization. And in brainstorming, uh, we did not say, okay, you know, think about what's feasible. It's really just say whatever comes to your mind, even if it sounds like um, way out there, let's just get a whole bunch of ideas out. So people, you know, were encouraged to think, uh, think a little bit outside the box. And we wrote all of that up. And then um, over the last couple of months or so, uh, in individual committees, you know, primarily our, uh, the most important ones are our advocacy committee, used to be called legislative, we call it advocacy now. Our communications committee, used to be called publications. Uh, and then our membership committee. Uh, there we had each of the committees you know, get down to brass tacks and really sort of think about, okay, what are we going to do over the next year or so? And similar to what Amanda said, you know, try to articulate those in terms of, you know, well-defined um, um, uh, activities where it's clear, you know, what what's going to be done, who's going to do it, by when, and if it makes sense, you know, to have a, um, uh, you know, some indication of what what success would mean. That, that's not always possible with, with each thing that you uh, 
uh, come up with. Um, so they worked on that and they did that. And then I sort of took them and uh, have reworded them a bit just so everything is sort of, uh, you know, similar wording and the like. And where we are right now is now going back to the committees, making sure these uh, objectives or these uh, activities are okay. And we hope we'll be, that should be finalized in the next few weeks. Once that's finalized, we'll put it sort of in a spreadsheet and it'll be something that we can monitor. Um, and, you know, periodically see, you know, how are we doing? Um, what have we got done? What have we not got done? What things just did not seem at the end of the day um, um, reasonable or realistic things to do? So I'm hoping that this can be uh, sort of a, a practical monitoring tool that we can go to, you know, every few months, see how we're doing, uh, perhaps at the end of the year, take stock, and then go to the next year and, and repeat the process. Um, if I were going to start this over, the one thing that I would probably avoid is using the word strategy. Um, people get a little bleary about that. Sounds maybe intimidating, pie in the sky to some. And um, I've sort of pledged to myself from now on, the word I'm gonna use is work plan, simply because that sounds very practical, understandable uh, to people. I don't think anybody can argue against the idea of hey, let's sort of have a roadmap of specific things that we say we're going to do. Um, so that may not sound terribly revolutionary or uh, incredibly imaginative, but I think you know having something like that, a work plan that you take measure of every now and then to see how you're doing and then you refine is a good thing to have, particularly in some areas like advocacy and, and membership perhaps you can be very reactive or you may not sort of seek out new initiatives, but um, doing something like this, I'm hoping uh, gives people the possibility to do that from time to time, but then, you know, follow it up with, with practical, um, you know, practical types of things. So, you know, so people can sort of see how they're doing. I'm hoping too, that when we, we have that and we distribute it to our membership, Perhaps those who've not been um, as active as they would have liked to have been can perhaps get a better idea of what's what's happening. See, maybe, hey, here's here's a particular activity that I might be interested in doing, or perhaps saying, gee, there's a gap, there's something missing here, and I would like to work on this. Again, as I said before, one thing that I've really liked about BSCB is that if you have an idea and you're willing to work on it yourself, that's important. Um, there's room to do that. So I'm hoping this will um, will help uh, facilitate that whole process. Thank you. All right, Francis, you're up next. All right, thank you very much, Cassandra. Um, and thank you to the other panelists. You guys have made some excellent points and some of which I was gonna touch on. So I'll, I'll transition to the some of the other ones that I had, um, specifically when, the North Dakota Association of the Blind um, is looking at goals and goal setting. Um, you know, we we first determine, you know, how are we going to measure this? Is or is this just an advocacy? You know, let's get the information out. Like, is that the is that the primary goal? Uh, is this an uh, an activity or event that we are planning 
that is geared more towards fundraising. So it's the major goal to, to increase our financial stability. Uh, is this an event that is specifically uh, for both our members and the general community of people who are blind and visually impaired? Because that really determines how, how we go about the process, uh, how we go about communicating or publicizing the event. Um, if we need to look at bringing in some partnerships um, with other agencies or organizations, such as uh, our Lions Clubs across the state are very good uh, at being partners with us. Uh, as we have no um, local affiliates, we are just a statewide, or excuse me, chapters. Uh, we are just a statewide affiliate. So it, it does get a little uh, different when you don't have those uh, local chapters. Um, so we, we do a good job of trying to partner uh, with uh, both our Lions Clubs as well as uh, North Dakota Vision Services. Uh, we have a very good working relationship with them uh, for planning events um, and publicizing them um, to individuals who are visually impaired. Um, and when we get to the measuring standpoint, that's where we really, we look at it because it's important if you're setting a goal, uh, why are you doing it? And, and what are you hoping to do with that goal? Um, if you're just planning a fun activity, you know, at a, one of your local support groups or something like that, okay, you know, you, it's not really that big of a deal uh, if five people show up or, or 35 people show up. It's just the opportunity that you're presenting. Uh, but if you're trying to talk about, um, you know, accessible prescription labels uh, to either a local uh, support group or now if we're talking about uh, reaching out to the pharmacists and, and the different uh, drugstores, what is going to make this successful and how, how do we go about that? Do we need to, to advertise this? Do we need to really have some foot soldiers out there? Do we get mailings together? You know, what is the, the proper way to accomplish that goal? Uh, and I think that's important if we're setting goals to make sure that they are measurable. Um, a couple kind of newer activities that we are looking uh, at doing in North Dakota, uh, which one falls within uh, reaching out to the visually impaired and blind in the state, uh, and then the other is uh, statewide PR. Um, the first we're looking at, uh, we have some funding set aside uh, and, uh, and getting a, at least one grant at this point um, to put on a teen camp. I know there's lots of teen camps across the, the country, uh, but this one would be just for uh, the individuals, uh, teenagers within the state of North Dakota and co-led, um, if you will, just by other members of the North Dakota Association of the Blind. Um, and teens today aren't exactly the same as they were maybe 30, 40 years ago um, when you, know, you want to go to the outdoors woods camp that you know, was popular at that time. So we're looking at it from a slightly different approach, making more of an urban camp, if you will, um, looking at technology, looking at using different things that aren't the typical camping experience. Um, so we're going to be doing a few different things like that. Uh, and, and that goal is easy to set. You know, we, we look at the number of teenagers with visual impairment uh, in the state of North Dakota and kind of set a, set a number from there. Uh, and what we would hope to do for recruitment with that. 
uh, as we look to our, we're in the very early stages of a, a statewide public relations campaign. Um, many of you, I'm sure, have had issues when you go to a local medical facility. Uh, they're not exactly sure if they should talk to you, touch you, yell at you, or what they should do. So that is our primary goal in this first year to two years that we are going to reach out to just the local clinics, not, not the major medical facilities, uh, but clinics themselves, uh, primary care clinics, and reach out to them uh, through either their office managers, their directors of nursing or different things, and set up meetings with them, possibly if we can, if they have staff meetings, different things like that, and go through the very basics of proper cited guide, proper questions, uh, the easiest way to uh, allow for an individual to independently access their information and sign for their information and the different aspects that, that goes along with receiving and obtaining you know, medical care insurance uh, and likewise. We know that that's not simple. We know we can't just tell all our members, okay, next time you go to the clinic, talk to them about this. Uh, you're going to get a lot of different answers. You're going to get a lot of different approaches. So we have determined we want to gather a group of probably 20 to 25 individuals. Um, and that might sound low, but in the state of North Dakota, you guys probably all think we're flyover country anyway. Um, the biggest challenge is actually going to be getting to all of the locations because they're so spread out. Um, so we're looking at making sure we have funding for travel reimbursement to get to local clinics, um, especially the rural ones, which many times um, we'll have one or two uh, individuals with vision loss, but they only see them every you know, six months to a year uh, and just don't have that, that ready experience that they have frequently that other facilities may have. So we are going to have, uh, we're planning to have multiple Zoom session trainings, um, as well as at least one weekend worth of training on, you know, working on your elevator speech, figuring out proper communications via phone and email to begin the process, uh, and making sure that we have uh, not a robotic response because we want everybody to personalize um, their approach and how they do it, but that our information is the same, that we are communicating succinctly because um, many of these clinicians will visit with each other at conventions and they might be in other groups. Uh, and we want to make sure that they're all getting the same, the same information on that. Um, so setting those goals, uh, th this has been a long one that it's been in the background workings for a period of time um, and figuring out the best approach to do that. And it's really started with making sure we've gathered all of the clinic's information. Um, so we, we've kind of done that back behind the scenes uh, research to start with. Um, and then we begin to develop, um, I won't call it our script, but that process to how we will reach out and move from there. Okay, thank you. Um, Jeanette, do we have any hands raised? Yes, we do. All righty. Okay. Just a second, wrong place. Just a second. 
470, you can unmute. Hello. Hello. This is Les from Georgia. Um, I'm an ACB member and an NFB member. And the first gentleman that spoke, he spoke about getting in touch with people. Six months ago, we started calling all our senior groups within a 25-mile era area. Sorry, and that worked out really great. Then we started calling eye doctor places, and that's working out pretty good. And we also decided to extend it to foot doctors that take care of diabetic people because they have to learn because sometimes they lose their sight, so forth. We got a group together that is six of us, and each one of us has a different stage of uh, eye problems. We also have one that's in a wheelchair that has CP, and we've got a, um, I don't know what you want to call it. We, when we talk or we get invited to a senior place, we all go, and we explain to them what the different phases of, of losing your vision, being born blind, losing your, your sight in later life, uh, uh, having a low vision, having uh, uh, sight impairment, and so forth. And the seniors so far, they've accepted it and they like it because they didn't realize and like one of them said, how do you treat a blind person when you're working with them? And my answer is the same way I treat a sighted person when I work with them. My blindness has nothing to do with my ability. So it's a good, uh, I, I kind of came up with the idea and um, our president here thought it was a great idea and we ran with it and it's been working very well ever since and it's just getting you know it's like anything else getting the word out there to let the people know that blind people can do basically the same thing a sighted person can do but we do it a little different we have different workarounds so each and every one of you have fantastic ideas you gave me a couple new ideas and i thank you and I appreciate you allowing me to give my opinion on this subject. Thank you. This is Wes from Georgia. Wes, before you before you mute yourself again, um, are yes. you are you meeting with the uh, caregivers or are you meeting with the uh, people who actually live there or both? Both. Great. Uh, we we deal with the caregivers. And we also deal with the organization that runs the senior group. We go to senior housing and they have sometimes 10, 15, 25 people. And they also, they all got, most of them got good eyesight, but they don't really, they didn't realize that as you grow older, your sight gets a little different right. and we've, we've helped them. So it's, there's a lot of people to talk to, and you you got to figure out which ones you want to talk to. And we're part of the Alliance Club, 
and they work out very well with us too. So, thank you. Thank you. Okay, Lucy, do we have anybody in Clubhouse? No, we do not. Thanks. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right, Danette, do we have any other raise hand? Yes, area code 715, you can unmute. Yes. Okay, I have a question for the gentleman who spoke first. Um, what is all involved in the questionnaire that you used, and is there a way that um, we can get a copy of it and maybe maybe use it for uh, the great ideas that you have? Proposed. Um, I'm I'm a uh, member of the uh, Michigan Council for the Blind, and I'm on the membership committee. Great. Um, you can go to I, I I believe the packet of information about the AAA project, when that's what we called it, is on our website, which is AAVL. So that's Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss, dash blind, dash seniors, dot org. Um, I do not have a way to take that information down at this time, but hopefully, <clears throat> hopefully uh, our chair for the membership committee was able to take that down. She's also on this call. Okay. And uh, thank you. Yeah. Okay. Danette, any more hands? Yes, one more. Okay. Five zero eight. You can unmute. Five zero eight. Oh, I think you, you can unmute. You have yeah, I permission. Think, I yeah. think you unmuted and then you muted yourself again. Um, let me see. Okay. You do have permission to talk. Yes. 508. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was another call. I'm another person. Good evening. This is Jane Perry from Falmouth, Massachusetts, your Cape Cod connection. First of all, I want to say to all the presidents, thank you for your time, your service, your dedication, and your commitment. I was a president and a chairperson of other organizations, so I know what it takes. Um, as far as goal setting, what I would like to see is we talked a little bit on visibilities on Friday. I was a healthcare professional for 18 years, retired, and now for the last nine months I've been in and out of healthcare facilities, and we need to have more education and maybe uh, work on the resolution that was um, at ACB convention a couple of years ago and get some legislation to get effective mandatory in-service training for all cl cl uh, clinical professionals. 
And the other thing I would like to see is a little bit more socialization events throughout the state. Uh, I know um, it can be difficult due to transportation, but it would be nice if maybe that could be increased membership if you had it at different parts of different state of the state. So again, thank you for listening, and thank you for your great work. Lucy, do we have any hands in Clubhouse? Nope. Okay. Danette, do we have any other hands? Um, no. Okay. No. Mm -mm. All right. Um, so a question that I have for our panelists is um, I noticed um, you guys talk about measurable goals, and I think that's a good idea because of the fact that when, um, when you set a goal, you want to be able to reach it. So when you do that, what the, the, what does that look like? So I know a couple of people said they use like a Excel, um, they, um, you know, different things. So when you, when you do that, do you, um, how do you um, start that process? And it doesn't matter who's answer first. Artists, artists, and I have been on another call where, we, and and I think uh, several of us alluded to the fact that we try to create what are called smart goals. So S M A R T mm -hmm. uh, are, is a um, is an acronym for specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time bound. Mm -hmm. And that's all. All five of those things are are important uh, in terms of being able to uh, assess whether you've actually you know done something or not, uh, or accomplished what you wanted to accomplish. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, so when you go about you know you, when you go about asking the question. So yeah, I, I, it's it's hard to get from. Well, we need to do something about healthcare, or we need to do something about transportation. Uh, you know, these are perennial issues in the blindness community. But, but what can we do in our organization in the next, you know, whatever time span we decide we want to use? Um, what could, what specific things can we do that we think can actually make a difference in that area? And that's and that's the question to start asking yourself to um, to come up with a with a smart goal. And I'll I'll shut up now and see if anybody else has anything to say. Cassandra, you're asking just so I can clarify the question. You're asking um, about measure about us measuring goals and what we do when we achieve them. Is that what you're asking? So um, let's so let's just say that you are. I'll just take. Um, um, I think it was Doug um, of transportation. So we'll just take that one. So we all know that transportation is an issue. Um, anybody who uses you know paratransit or door to door right. service, we all know mm -hmm. that. So when you when you when you start working on that, what would be the first goal? How would you begin that, and um, what? How do you think you can um, achieve that first goal? Okay, I gotcha. Um, I'll I'll try to answer this the the best way I I, I can then, and maybe give my spin on it. I thought Doug did a really good job. 
So um, it, it's really easy because I'm, I'm right right now. My biggest my biggest goal is succession planning for the next two years. So that's that's my that that would be my overall goal is to make sure that in two years we have people in place ready to go, ready to rock and roll as me being in an advisory position. So in order for NextGen to get to that point, um, that being the big goal, I would have to imagine that I, I use like a, a vision board. And um, what I do is I say, okay, what do I need to do? Uh, we need to we need to break it down into to pieces. So um, and, and maybe put the pieces into categories. Um, that's why we started, you know, the year off with leading with intention within our committees. Um, because one of my committee chairs, she pointed out, she said, we can begin succession planning by, um, you know, our, you know, just the way we're setting up our committees and our committee expectations. So that's something that can, that can be started on a, a micro level with our committee members. Um, is giving them more responsibility to establish self-esteem that makes them want to do to do more. So that that's that would be the first place I would start, and then you start to build on that. So you look at, okay, so we got the committee members going. What do the committee chairs need to be doing? Okay, we need the committee chairs to be setting and um, living up to the expectations that they're setting that um, hold people accountable. Okay, we got that. So then we move up another level and we look at, okay, who do we, now let's start looking at who we have in specific positions. And we start looking at the next piece will be looking at, you know, who can we mentor? Who can we push, not necessarily push, but maybe motivate to get to the next level? Okay, we're, you know, you see, you, you it's like you're you're climbing a ladder, but I I'm visual, so I, I imagine putting my goal, the big goal in the middle, and then having like little spider legs come out of it with smaller goals that build on each other. Does does that answer your question? It absolutely does. Awesome. Uh, this is David. I can maybe add a little bit too. I think some. Some activities, it's easier easier to come up with a measurable uh, goal than others. For example, uh, you know, at our spring convention, we will be doing our annual auction. Okay, we've done it the last two years. We know how much we've made. So our indicator of success will be that we make X amount of dollars. So I think that's a fairly straightforward one. Of course. You have all these steps that you've got to take to get to that point, but but knowing who's going to do it, when it's going to happen, and what the ultimate um, um, success indicator is, pretty easy in that situation. Um, advocacy can be a little bit trickier. Uh, Jane, who was from Cape Cod, who you just heard from, she knows uh, about this one. In transportation, one thing that we want to do in Massachusetts is um, we have, you know, regional transit um, uh, authorities about even Massachusetts, small state, but even a small state, we've got 15 of them. They're all over the place in terms of um, their procedures for um, 
renewing your ADA eligibility for paratransit. So we would like to get more regularity, more consistency, more streamlining, make the process easier uh, and make that uniform across the straight, uh, state. But how you get from where we are now to that point, um, we don't even know really fully what the path is. But if we indicate, if you know, if we come up with uh, intermediate steps for how we're going to get there, and those intermediate steps might change along the way, um, but still with that final goal, which again, we may not achieve this year. Uh, but I think the, the key in a situation like that is to know what your end, you know, your end objective is and to move along step by step and making sure once you've achieved one step, you sort of know what the next step is or you figure out that next step that you thought was going to be isn't relevant. It's something else. And you just sort of keep the ball rolling uh, in that way. Thank you. Yes, David, I, I agree. This is Trampus. Um, the difference between a, an already established thing like your your auction, like you said, um, and advocacy uh, are night and day on how you measure them. Um, you, you've got a sustained uh, program that you do, um, whether that's attendees or fundraising, like an auction would be. Those are far easier to to follow and determine. And oh, we we did better this year, or we did worse this year. What do we need to change, or how can we improve? Those are far simpler goals to evaluate and determine how to to modify if need be. Uh, advocacy, which which I hope is in everyone's goals some way, shape, or form, um, is much harder. And, and that can come down to, you know, are we just, we want to reach all of the, you know, transit authorities, like you said, we, we want to make contact with all 15 of those regional ones. Or if in North Dakota, like we're looking at reaching out to all the clinics, A, did we reach out to all the clinics? Were we able to make contact? Um, were we then able to not only make contact, but get in the door with them and have communication. Um, following that up, because our hope is to transition from clinics to eye doctors and, and continue this. This isn't going to be a one or two year project. It's just going to continue to evolve um, with advocacy uh, in different segments. Um, so then it will probably also include some sort of a qualitative and quantitative um, evaluation for those that we have actually had communication with um, to help you improve that program to determine, you know, Hey, they, they said our timing wasn't great. Like we, we always seem to contact them at the worst times. So what does that mean? You know what? Maybe we couldn't call at Monday at eight o'clock in the morning. We should be calling Thursdays at three, um, you know, trying to then follow those remarks up with, with the right question. Surveys can be extremely useful if, if composed properly. Uh, if you leave them too open-ended, you end up with 97 different responses that you can't put together. So they have to very much be more close-ended um, with just a few open-ended responses or, or you end up with invaluable data that you, you can't do anything with it. Can I, this is Doug, can I also, so there are different approaches to advocacy. So for example, on uh, the issue of um, uh, accessible pedestrian signals, 
Um, I know Maryland, uh, Charlie Crawford, one of our wonderful members who is now deceased, um, he worked with a group and they actually did a, um, they did litigation against the state uh, in order to get, in, in order to get APSs, you know, to get a, a solution where APSs um, were going to be installed all over the state eventually. Um, we, uh, we in Virginia didn't have that, those didn't have the uh, high level contacts that we could contact and, and, and didn't have a bunch of lawyers to, you know, to litigate with us. But what I did was I uh, contacted my state um, representative and my state senator and say, you know, this, this is a problem. Um, and, you know, he, he said, okay, I'll look into it. And then he got back when he said, uh, well, they say it's a budget problem. I said, yeah, well, we're going to be here 10 years from now and it's still going to be a budget problem. So what it really is, is a civil rights issue. And uh, he said, oh, okay, let me, let me contact him again. And he had the regional director contact me and we had w- developed a working group and uh, the, the guidelines got changed and, and uh, APSs are being uh, installed all over the state, um, you, know, uh, you know, each year. So my point is that you can either attack it from a, uh, from a uh, grassroots level and though that probably would involve many more of your members. So if you've got a bunch of members who are interested in the subject and are passionate about the subject, then maybe you want to approach it that way. Or if you have a few people who are really uh, hobnobbing with the, um, you know, with the higher level uh, state government people, um, then you can sort of approach it from that standpoint and, you know, work, work your way down. So it all depends on what your resources are, and you know, and 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 where your uh, where your contacts are. Okay, thank you, Artis. Would you like to um, take us out? Yes, yes, I would like to um, thank everyone for being on the call, and the speakers all did an excellent job. And I just wanted to remind you that many months we have membership focus calls, and in February and March we're gonna be talking to states that have conventions uh, from January up until the national convention. So if you haven't contacted us and let us know that you have a, um, a convention earlier part of the year, please do let us know because we'd like to get someone from your state to talk about your convention and what you expect to happen so that people can join you, especially if you have uh, a virtual uh, options in your conventions. So just wanted to let you all know that for the future. We got about five more minutes. Are there any hands up? We have no hands in, in the webinar. Do we have any in, in Clubhouse? Nope. Okay. Well, thank you to Cassandra for being my co, uh, co-facilitator on this call. And thank you also to our three helpers from ACB, uh, Danette, and um, all of a sudden my mind just lost to the other Lucy two. and Herbie. Lucy. <laughs> Lucy and, and Herbie. Herbie. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. We really appreciate your assistance. 
and appreciate all who came to attend the call. And hopefully many will be able to listen to it on a podcast.